as the entry point for the good news of the gospel. And then last week, uh, we witnessed how Jesus worked in the life of Nicodemus by providing those maybe next small steps on Nicodemus' journey towards Christ. And we saw how through the course of the book of John, Nicodemus came from being one who was questioning who was interested in Jesus to being one of the two people who wrapped Jesus' body in cloths and laid him in the tomb. From going from sneaking around in the dark to doing something so loving and caring for Christ right in the midst of the day. Now today we move to thinking about the empowerment, the power that that we have been given for this task of bearing witness to Christ. When we think about power, there's a lot of different things. There was magnets that we just saw. Uh, We could think of electricity or fuel that powers our vehicles that helped get us here. And maybe if you didn't use electricity or gas or diesel to get here, you used your own calories, right, to to get here. At some point, there's got to be something that you derive your power from. Sometimes when people officiate weddings, they need a certain amount of power, and maybe you've heard people say, by the power invested in me from the state of Michigan, I pronounce you, right? There's a power that's given, an authority that's given, and then there's a result that is a different tax status and a different IRS status. But the power that we're talking about on Pentecost Sunday isn't, it's not electricity, it's it's not magnets, it's not fuel that we put in our cars, it's not the, the food that we put in our bodies, it's the Spirit and the Spirit's presence indwelling presence in our life in the power of the divine working in each of us that gives us the power for this task. You know, at the end of Jesus' time here on earth, shortly before he, he uh, went into uh, heaven, He said these words to the disciples. He says, all authority, all power, you could say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. You know, this is one of the main reasons why we witness, right? Because Jesus told us to. (laughs) It's pretty simple. He tells you to witness, so we do. But I think there's an interesting phrase here, and it's this last sentence. And surely I am with you always. Paul David Tripp writes this about that phrase in this passage. These words are much deeper than Jesus is saying, than Jesus saying, I'll be there for you. He says, 
know that wherever you go, the I am will be with you. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one whom all the covenants promises to rest on, the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, the one who is the Alpha and Omega, Jesus says, I am the I am, and I would never think of sending you without going with you in power, glory, wisdom, and grace. He continues, the disciples would find all they needed for what they were being commissioned to do in the power, presence, and grace of the one sending. The disciples would find everything they needed in the power, the presence, and the grace of of the one who was sending them. And that comes through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's presence, power, wisdom, and grace right right within us. And as we continue this thinking about the Spirit and the work of the Spirit in empowering people, we're going to go to 1 Thessalonians 1, and we're going to look at the first 10 verses. And before I get there, uh, the first week we talked about this guy named Saul. And Saul had an experience of Jesus, with Jesus, where he was blinded, and he was given his sight back, but not just physical sight, he was, he was given kingdom vision sight. And he went on to uh, plant many different churches, and his name then was Paul. It was changed to Paul. And the Thessalonian church that this letter is written to was one of the churches that Paul started. And if you want to learn a little bit more about that story, you can go to Acts 17. And if you did that, you would find out that when Paul was there, he was only there for a short time, and that the Jewish leaders in the city of Thessalonica would, was, they were not very pleased with Paul, I'll put it that way, and so they incited riots in the town. And because of these riots in the town, Paul and his partner in ministry needed to leave the city right away. So Thessalonica was a, a they really didn't have established leadership in their church within the amount of time that, that Paul was there. And they had this significant amount of opposition coming in the form of those, those Jewish synagogue leaders. So what happens is Paul sends Timothy to visit the church. And after hearing back from Timothy, Paul writes this to the church. All right? So that's a little history History lesson before we get there. And now we're going to go to 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 1 through 10. Paul, Silas, that was his companion in ministry at the time, and Timothy, the one they sent to the church to check in with. To the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, 
your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned uh, to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. If, if Paul, Silas, and Timothy had any expectations for this really young church, this really young church that didn't have any leaders, really, established leadership, this really young church that didn't have many leaders that was facing persecution, I don't think the bar would have been set really high. I think, I think that people would be like, well, if we, just, if we were just able to keep the lights on and still be here in the midst of this persecution, in the midst of not having a lot of leaders, I think we're doing okay. Just like maybe you wouldn't have a lot of expectations if you were a new church that started in December of 2019, and you've been a church for four months, and then all of a sudden you have to close your doors for a while and figure out how to do ministry differently you wouldn't maybe have many expectations. Maybe it's like, hey, let's keep the people we got. And yet, what we read about within this passage is not hopelessness. We, when we read this passage, we don't see powerlessness. We don't we don't see the Thessalonian church saying, well, you know, after the riots, we just kind of needed to figure it out, so we didn't really know what to do because we didn't have a leader because Paul left. There wasn't hopelessness. There wasn't powerlessness because the Spirit had come with power and conviction in their life, and it, and it caused them to live in a certain way. I think though they could have felt helpless with no leader, though they could have felt helpless or powerless at the, the facing persecution, it's perhaps in those moments where we feel helpless, where we feel unprepared, where we're not ready for whatever's happening, that, 
the power of God can be manifest in ways that blow all of our expectations out of the water. When we feel unprepared, that's when the power of God manifests itself in us, saying it's not by your strength, it's not by your wisdom, it's not by anything you do, but it's by my Spirit working through you, empowering you, causing something to happen that you couldn't even dream of. God's work in His people. We've talked about in this series that knowing God and, and having faith, it's not about having more wisdom. It's, it's not about knowing more. It's about taking that next small step. And for some of us, maybe that next small step is inviting the Holy Spirit to work through us. Now, I, I know we all learn that we have the Holy Spirit, but do we believe that the Spirit truly wants to work through us and empower us each and every day? Do we, do we believe that the Spirit could work through us in a way that we don't think that we don't think of? Jesus said that his followers would do greater things than these, even speaking of his miracles. That power of the Spirit is in us. Do we believe it? Are we prepared to be used by God, used by the Spirit in ways that the Spirit nudges us? You know, we could think back a lot of years when looking at this church. It's more than four months, isn't it? This September, I realized, on Monday, is going to be the 60th anniversary of Princeton. And we could all perhaps look back, some more than others, like Tom, who's been here all the time, right, all 60 years, and Laura and Marsha and, and others as well. You could, you could look back at points in time, perhaps, of, of the Spirit's movement where the, the Spirit came in this place and it and ignited something. Those times where when the pews were here, they were full, maybe. Those times where there was 250, 300 people in the room instead of 100. And maybe, maybe that sense of hopelessness that we didn't see in the Thessalonians could, could, could try to come in our mind. To recognize that, wow, we're in such a different place than we were however many years ago. Experiencing a, a powerlessness. An experiencing of loss as as they remember, they remember those families that started moving away and, and no longer came here. As they, they remembered the feeling as familiar families moved 
to other churches. The anxiety that's induced when that happens, and it could be really easy for us to think, what are the safe decisions we can make? What are the what are the things that we can do to make sure that we keep all our people? What are, what are the things or decisions we can do to remake what was at one time right now? But the reality is the Spirit isn't ever really asking anyone to stay the same. The Spirit just like what we saw with Nicodemus is asking us, each of us, to take that next small step of faith individually, but that next small step of faith as a group that God could work through this church just the way he worked through the four-month-old Thessalonian church with no leadership with no established leadership and, and not really a, a way forward in their minds. What we hear about in this passage is the power of the Spirit and the Spirit's work in the church. And so let's look at that a little bit. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by Oh, maybe some of those words sound familiar. Paul often used those words, faith, hope, and love, to describe faith, or to describe what it means to be a Christ follower. And, and he actually used those words, faith, hope, and love, so often that this 16th century theologian named John Calvin said that faith, hope, and love are a brief definition of true Christianity. It was by the outpouring of the Spirit that came in power and conviction in the life of these Thessalonian believers that they were able to live the exact way that the Lord was calling them to live in that moment. That they were able to live out their faith, trusting in God, that they were able to love and care for the people within their city and that they would have this endurance that is, that is from the hope that they have experienced and live with. The outpouring of the Spirit making them able to live in dis difficult circumstances with all the odds against them in a way that they can continue living in hope. And not only do they have hope, but the power of the Spirit gave them something else. That's not the one I was thinking of. Gave them joy. The Spirit gave them joy in the midst of persecution. I think that's verse 6. I don't have it on there. That's fine. But it's the Spirit that came in power... It's that spirit that came with deep conviction that caused them to live the exact way that the Lord called them to. 
It was the Spirit that came in them in the, in the same way that the Spirit came into the disciples at Pentecost. The same one, not a different one. The same Spirit came in them to empower them for the work that they needed, which was to experience and go through deep suffering and hardship and somehow be able to remain joyous in the process. Somehow be able to continue to to show the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. To somehow continue to have hope in something else that is to come, that's going to come from outside of themselves. The Spirit didn't give them frustration. The Spirit didn't give them worry. The Spirit didn't give them anxiety. The Spirit gave them faith, hope, love, and joy. And what we see in the rest of this passage is what the Spirit's power of giving faith, hope, love, and joy does in the surrounding community. They, they needed to rely on the Spirit because they were in a place of weakness. And what happens when they were in this place of weakness? They became a model, a model for all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. And if we, we go on to the next verse, it goes every. The beginning of Acts, um, Jesus tells his disciples where it is that they are to be his witnesses. Begins in Jerusalem and then it slowly extends to all the earth. And here we have these Thessalonian believers that were discipled by Paul for maybe four months before Paul had to hightail it out of town. And now these people who have known of God's grace for four months have now become to be the model believers for people in Macedonia and Achaia. And they became the missionaries that were bringing the word of Christ and the grace of Christ to everyone. Taking the commission that Jesus had given the disciples, taking it upon themselves and doing so out of the power of the Spirit, the power of that faith, hope, love, and joy. A completely Christian life based on a couple months with Paul. We think about Think about our church again, the modern day. You could say that we have a lot going for us, a lot more than maybe the Thessalonians did. <laughs> maybe we have a, a little bit stronger foundation. There's a established leaders that have been in this church for way more than my five years here. There's Leaders that have served on council not once, not twice, but maybe three times or, or more. 
There's a, a lot of history in these walls and a, a lot of great elders from the past that have passed on to glory, a lot of great deacons that have passed on to glory, and even pastors that have been here that have passed on to glory. And if I think about it, a comforting thing for me is that I don't think anyone was ever run out of town. It's comforting. We haven't been running leaders out of town, have we? And, and the surrounding community hasn't been doing it either. Unlike the Thessalonian church, we have a building that was paid off, right? We have wonderful volunteers that are, are willing to work hard, to give of their time, to, to give of their life selflessly for the ministries of this church, for the, for the glory of God. And even though we start off from this place that seems pretty good, the, the Spirit says to us, I'm not done. The Lord doesn't say, all of a sudden you've arrived and, and you've met your mission of living for God, loving your neighbors and leading people to Christ. No, He, he continues to, to push you and I on this, this mission encouraging us to be those model believers by way of the Spirit's empowerment in our life that manifests itself in unity of thought, that manifests itself in, in a fervent faith that we have, that manifests itself in a, in a hope for the future and what the Lord is, is going to bring about in this community the, the joy amidst all the various struggles that we individually and collectively experience. That we would be model believers in loving and caring for people in small and tangible ways. When we think about how the Lord is going to work in this community, it's the Lord's grace to us. It's the Lord's grace to us that says that you don't make someone follow Jesus. You don't make someone take that next step. It's the Spirit that does inside us and inside others. It's the Spirit that will continually push us and accomplish the mission that God has set for our community, and all the other church communities in this area and around the world. It's the Holy Spirit who will empower you to the point that you will step out of your comfort zone to live for Him in a way that you've never done that before. It's the Holy Spirit that will empower you and strengthen you and when you don't feel like you got anything left to give. When you're so exhausted and tired 
It's the Spirit that undergirds you and causes you to live in ways that you didn't think you had energy for anymore. It's the Spirit. Within you, it's the Spirit. Within me, it's in the Spirit present in each of us and our community as we continue to proclaim who Christ is. As we continue to be present with people who need to experience God's grace. It's the Spirit that is present nudging us towards that next small step of faith in your life. That next small step of faith in someone else's as we live for God together. As we together, through the power of the Spirit, love our neighbors. And as we together lead people to those next small steps, leading them not to ourself, but to Christ in His glory, in His grace, in His salvation, all that required nothing from us. Let's thank God for His empowerment and His Spirit. Lord, we thank You that the success of a church for the Thessalonians, for us, for churches around the world is, is not solely dependent on us, is not solely dependent on working harder and doing more, but it's dependent on you. It's dependent on our being open, willing, and ready to be molded and shaped and empowered by your Spirit for your glory. Continually remind us of that grace in our life that the salvation that we experience and the salvation that others will as well was a free gift. out of the outworking of the Spirit's work, raising Christ from the dead and empowering followers to proclaim that throughout the world. In Christ's name we pray.